Hello Lagos. Hello Nigeria. Hello world. Um, welcome once more to the to Shexis podcast. And this is episode three of Shexis podcast. And um, as I did last week, I wouldn't be doing it alone again today. I'm with um, someone, and um, I'll be I'll be we'll be talking about um, all the latest happening in the foot in the Radela game called football. And um, the person I'm with is um, is actually a journalist. He writes for BTL Vid. And um, he's also affiliated with um, African Football HQ. That's so he writes for those um, those sporting websites and sporting blogs. So, but I will leave him to I will leave him to introduce I will leave him to introduce himself. And um, so, bro, you can you can go ahead to introduce yourself. Okay, thank you very much, um, Shagun. My name is Tosin Holmes. I write for it's like you said, sports journalist. I write for AFHQ, African Football HQ, and BTL Vid Breaking the Line. So, of course, we. Just take a look at some of the players and um, the beautiful world of football. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you so much. So it's going to be a very interesting episode, and um, I'm sure you guys would want to listen to this. So um, get ready for the smooth ride, Lego. So let's jump in into. Let's start. Let's jump in straight into it. Um, games, there were games during the week, um, during the weekend into yesterday, Monday, and um, there were shockers and. They were still usual, the usual, the usual guys. But um, let's start from Manchester United. Um, sorry, Manchester City taking a five huge five zero victory away to um away to bribe uh, Brighton. Surprisingly, I, I expected Brighton to put up a fight because they are they are not a team that that usually that you can easily beat beat at home like that due to the combination of Lewis Dunk at the back and and how rigid he can be, but. Man City was their days, Sterling taking, um, scoring an hat-trick, uh, Bernardo scoring a goal and um, Gabriel Jesus. So, so you just touch up on the game and um, what do you think about, what did you um, think about that game? Manchester 5-0 against um, Brighton. Yeah, nothing special for Manchester City. Uh, we know that they're very good when, you know, on their day where they're probably the best team in the league. Uh, just like Pep Guardiola always acknowledges. Um, last season, they went to the Amex and won 5 on the last year of the season. It was a game they needed to win to clinch the title. We saw Mario's getting that goal in that particular encounter. And, uh, you know, the likes of Okai Gundogan and Bernardo Silva getting on the act. So it was not a little bit surprising when they... It was not a tad surprising when they won 5-0 in this, in this fixture. Uh, Manchester City need every point they can get. Pep Guardiola knows how to motivate the team. They've they've just lost, uh, you know, the Premier League title to, to a team that Pep Guardiola says has destroyed football. Pep Guardiola thought he was the only person who, who could, you know, lay claim to that title as, as the man yeah. who destroyed football in England. But now, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool have come and, and, and they've done it. And, and now, it's all about laying down the gauntlet to the players for next season and, you know, obviously getting the players right now to, to look at ahead of next season and let everyone know that, look, Manchester City are coming back stronger. So, I was not surprised by, by the result one bit. Um, I really did expect it. They've they've won five nil. They've won three nil. They've won four nil. Uh, you know, since 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 the lockdown ended, and you look at some of the results. It's just a common thing. They've got the most goals in the Premier League this season. On their yeah. day, they're a juggernaut, and and when it just goes off for them, they're totally off. Games like the one against Southampton, the one against Liverpool, the one against uh, against Chelsea. When they don't click, when it just doesn't happen, it doesn't happen for City. But, but when it does happen, they're unbeatable. And that's why, you know, I've got a lot of concerns for Real Madrid going to that second leg. Because if City are in their element, especially Kevin De Bruyne, then you really know that they're in trouble, um, uh, 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 Real Madrid. So, 
yeah, really, it's, it's important. They've got Arsenal to come the weekend. Important game, you know, for them. So, Pep Guardiola really priming his team for the Champions League. It's a tournament format. It's an opportunity for them to uh, see if they can get their hands on the early grill. So, I'm not surprised. Not surprised one bit at all uh, as far great. as that game is concerned. Great, great. Thank you. So, before we leave the City game, let's just discuss about Ryan Sterling. Do you think... Is he's not being talked about his quality is not being talked about alone. He scored he, he scored the 17th um goal of the season, and that's that's the uh, that's the highest for uh the highest his highest um so far. He scored um his 17th league goal of the season, and um a lot of guys they they, they really think they still see Ryan Sterling in, in, in that light of his Liverpool days as someone that is not really matured in his game. But under Pep Guardiola, we have seen a growth in um, Ryan Sterling from season in to season out. So, do you think Ryan Sterling is not being talked about, or do you think he's still is that quality is that quality player that should be talked about more in the English setup? Yeah, Ryan Sterling is a fantastic youngster. He's a fantastic player. You can't call him a youngster anymore because he's yeah, yeah, he's now. not much. He's twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, to be honest. I can't say particularly that this is what Ryan Sterling has improved on as a footballer. I can't really pinpoint it. I think he's, he's only getting into better positions because Ryan Sterling still misses the same number of chances that he's missing. You know, he still, <laughs> he still misses a lot of chances. He still finds it hard. He still buckles on the pressure. Uh, he's still the speed star. Yes, maybe you can say is is when, when it comes to decision-making, it's yeah. slightly better. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's just it. And he's getting into... You know better positions to score the goals that's the difference between the sterling at liverpool and, and, and the sterling that we're seeing right now the sterling oh, okay. on the manuel pellegrini and the sterling on the pep Guardiola is, is benefited under a manager who's instilled him with a lot of confidence and let him know that 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 look you can you can get into scoring positions and and you look at some of the chances he gets he still misses sitters he still misses you know um clear-cut opportunities he still does not take you know his chances when they fall fall, fall, fall at his feet it's the reason why you're not hearing him, you know, when it comes to the conversation of, of, of the PFA Player of the Year. Yes, he's won the Young Player of the Year award, but but you look at Ryan Sterling relative to other other young British players. You look at the likes of of, of, of Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho. Uh, the, uh, the the uh, you know the, you look at these youngsters, and you look at them relative to Ryan Sterling, and, and you're thinking it's only a matter of time before they get this guy out of the way because Sterling is. Is, is 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 good, but but there's nothing that really distinguishes him and say and singles him out. Take him out of that Manchester City team. Take him to somewhere else. Will he be able to replicate this kind of performance? Do, do you think he will be able to convert the opportunities he's getting when it, when it comes to you know uh, uh, chance creation? Sterling yeah. is, is is a good player. You know, to be honest, he's, he's a good player. Pretty much. Um, when you say he's not been talked about the most, I, I don't know, but. I think he's just getting the kind of attention that he deserves. He deserves, comes, okay. Uh, ch- chance creation is, is is done pretty well. You look at big chances missed as well as as far as as, as Ryan Sterling is concerned. His numbers are there. They they have high up there alongside Gabriel Jesus for Manchester City. Those two players, you cannot particularly say that okay, they 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 have really improved in the real sense of the word. Yes, they they've done very well, but but. I do not think that they deserve to be uh, you know, mentioned in breath okay. of, of the players that are being praised and, and are performing phenomenal in the Premier League. Okay, that's great. 
thank you so much so let's move to um sheffield sheffield 3-0 against chelsea a huge huge um should i call it a shocker sheffield we all know sheffield is a very stubborn team while they're at home but we expected chelsea to put in more of a fight but they lost in a scandalous manner 3-0 against um against sheffield united david mark um, godrick scoring a brace while um, Oliver McBurney scored um, the last four for Sheffield United. So, what could you, what do you think would be wrong with the Chelsea setup under Frank Lampard on uh, their inconsistency? Just like you said, they are an inconsistent side. It's it's um, it's a theme that's been coming under Frank Lampard for Chelsea this season. Extremely, terribly inconsistent. And I think one of the challenges is because you look at Chelsea, especially in the back. Chelsea have had eight different defensive combinations this season. That is an absolute, it's it's the highest of any of the teams in the top four. Eight different defensive combinations. They've tried five at the back, they've tried four at the back, and they've used different players in, in those systems. Tom Marie, Christensen, Aspiliqueta, uh, uh, Zuma, uh, Alonso, Emerson Palmieri, too many players. Rich James and the likes. Yeah, Rich James and, and, and the likes. And, and you look at the fact that you've used eight different defensive combinations and you look at the fact that you don't even have a stable left centre-back and right centre-back pairing. It's, it's really worrisome for, for a club of, of, of the stature of Chelsea. Chelsea is a team that you know for sure that uh, during when Terry was there, it was Terry and Cavallo, Terry and, 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 and somebody else. Uh, you know, it was always fixed. It, 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 there was no uh, rotation as much as Frank Lampard had now. And, you know, it, it's part of the reasons. It, it might not seem, it might seem minute, but the reality is when you don't have a stable defensive combination or a stable defensive organization, then you're going to put your keeper in danger, especially yeah. if your goalkeeper is a goalkeeper that needs to ad- adapt to a new league. Yes, Kepar Arizabalaga has a lot of shortcomings. Yes, yes, we know, but his job is supposed to be made easier by his defense. And, and, and the reality is the defense is not even where it is supposed to be. And I think mm, yeah. another problem is this. Chelsea have been... There's a big problem that Chelsea have had. And that problem is a Jorginho problem. Sarri brings Jorginho in to, to continue to implement what he's been doing at Napoli. And Jorginho is a huge problem for Chelsea because right now, you look at the Chelsea setup, they do not need a player like Jorginho. In, in all sincerity, a, a player like Jorginho would probably not be what is the solution. In terms of the fact that when N'Golo Conte plays, you see the difference, and and, and, and that's yeah. just the reality. Yeah, Chelsea play right. better. Chelsea play better with a four-two-three-one. That's just the reality. They're a team that, in the four-two-three-one, when they've got the right players in that system, they will definitely thrive. And that's what they've they've got at the moment. If they play four-two-three-one at the moment, Chelsea, just like Manchester United have with Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, and Matic in the middle. Then probably if you look at Chelsea having something of the mould of Conte, Barkley and, and maybe Mason Mount or, 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 or Wales, Lampard feels to play in the attacking midfield position, then that, then you realise that they seem to be a lot better that way. Jorginho yeah. is adding a lot of, of weight, uh, a lot of unnecessary pressure on the defence, a defence that's not stabilised, a defence that's not certain of itself, a defence that you have probably one or two good players who can play with the ball at their feet, uh, you have a clumsy Rudiger in that defense. I mean, you just you just imagine, and and and, and as a Jorginho, by the time the, the defense splits, you, you have the two defenders when they split wide, and you come to carry the ball from from Kepa Arizabalaga. There's a lot of problems in terms of turning over the ball, 
in terms of you know turning defense into attack and and, and then you realize that maybe and just maybe something is not is, is is not so right with the team so yes yeah I, as much as i think i i think chelsea will make the top for the season i actually do think chelsea will make the top for the season and i think lampard has done a fantastic job i also think he needs to wake up to the fact that this team actually needs defensive reinforcements and, and that's yeah. the reality yeah, Somebody... as you said, as you said, Jorginho, Jorginho actually lost the ball eleven times in that game. As a mm. deep, as a deep playing, um, deep line playmaker, you shouldn't be losing that ball, uh, the ball that much because you are like the guy in front of the defense. And once you lose the ball, definitely you are putting your defense at risk. So it's it's a huge problem, as you said, for uh, for for Chelsea. That's uh, the Jorginho issue. And as you said, as you said earlier, I would and I I also buy into that opinion. It's better Chelsea plays Kante as the deepest line playmaker. Maybe you play Luftos uh, uh, Chick. That's I guess he he is. A player that could run in and out of um, each box, like you could act as a box-to-box member, and he's a bit okay defensively also. So mm-hmm. pairing uh, Luftus Chick and Kante could be a, a better solution than playing uh, Juju as the deepest line um, the, yes. uh, okay. mid- midfielder, and you are left you, you you leave a Kante, a Kante that is so ineffective when you play him as a box-to-box uh, midfielder. So that's one yes. issue I, I I see, and I buy into your idea. Which 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 you write? So you could go ahead. You were saying something before before we yeah, actually again. You, you, yes, you 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 said it accurately. And and, and just with the Jorginho start that you pulled, um, uh, I I didn't really focus on it because you look at the fact that they play against the Sheffield team that are very good when it comes to pressing the opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so 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 when 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 you have about two players pressing one player at the same time. It's 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 definitely they they realize the way Chelsea play and once they know that this is the man who starts the attack this is the man who who supplies the ball to, to the forward line and and they can you know uh, they can snap at his heels they can you know pressure him into into losing the ball and turning over possession and playing straight passes you know it's 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 pretty much easy when you look at the numbers from that game especially not just possession lost but in terms of 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 of, of you know. Uh, of Jorginho's passes in that game, he didn't make as much accurate passes as he, as he normally did. Not it was tall, just ninety-one percent in, in, in those games. He was making before Jorginho averages 90, 92, 93 percent of passes. Yeah. That one yeah. percent very important for, for anyone, and and he was not winning any ground duels. And you also you've got to give credit to Sheffield United, especially the likes of um of of Sander Burge and, and Oliver Norwood. Those yeah. those players. They were, they were massive in that game. They were massive. Yeah, you have to give you have to give credit to them uh, in, in the way they pressed Jorginho, especially Oliver Norwood. Exactly. To, to, to perfection and, and, and I was supported know, by David David McGregor so he was always McGregor was always on coming back from from the attacking line to press yes. his novel against yes. um, judging you yes you, you, you know when it comes to um breaking the lines uh, uh, you know uh, coming in between the lines to, to, to provide extra support that's what I was talking about in terms of two players coming mm-hmm. you know, to pressure Jorginho on the ball yeah when Oliver Norwood is going to press Jorginho McGregor drops off and then yeah. Oliver is the only only centre forward. Perfect, so so right. when they press him, the ball can go either ways. They, they press, you know, he loses. He's forced to go long, or he's forced to play the ball out wide. And, and when he's playing the ball out wide, is to Ender Stevens, who's who's having a go at Rhys James. So more or less, it was pretty much difficult for Chelsea in terms of coordination and getting the ball out of the defence in that okay. game. When okay, you find okay. it very difficult in terms of getting the ball out and you're having to go for long balls towards William 
and and you look at the fact that Sheffield United played play they're tall the and they're physical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they, they 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 play with three at the back, and Chelsea play three center for uh, three three players in front. It's 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 one v one situations there. So, mm-hmm. so pretty much, they've yeah. already outnumbered Chelsea in terms of you know in terms of bodies in, in midfield, bodies in front. And bodies in, in in those small small spaces. So uh, small pretty spaces, much yeah. disappointing result for Chelsea. Um, Frank Lampard d- did get it wrong by starting uh, Tammy Abraham in that game. Uh, I've, I've got to admit it was it was a wrong call. He should have gone for Olivier Giroud, who would have been a handful for John Egan. But you know, overall, uh, you are, you still have to give Chelsea credit because at the start okay. of the season, nobody expected them to, to be in top four. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, and, so in reality, I think they will make it at the end of the season. Okay, okay. So let's move to let's quickly move to Liverpool. Uh, they really there's not really nothing much to talk about the Liverpool game. They they played um the one one draw against Burnley. There's really nothing to fight to fight to fight for. They won the league. Uh, Robert Andrew Robertson scored um Liverpool's only goal. Uh, while Jay Rodriguez scored and um Anikolaiza for Jay Rodriguez. So they. I, I I say a bit of the game. They were really the the, the normal pressing of Liverpool. They didn't show it. They were just relaxed in the way they played the game. So just talk like a minute or two on the game and let's move on to the next. Liverpool won yeah, uh, In all sincerity, when you win a title, it's very difficult to be motivated. Um, winning the title, seven games to go, uh, you you definitely know it will be difficult to motivate these players. But then also, let's be honest with ourselves. If you say they're not motivated, they will not fire 23 shots on goal. If you say they're not motivated, then Nick Pope would not have to make as many saves as he made. He made eight saves in that fixture. Some mm-hmm. point blank, some fantastic, some unbelievable saves. You know, uh, and, and and after that game, it really begin. I really began to fear for Jordan Pickford as an England goalkeeper because <laughs> when you have Nick Pope and and Dean Henderson breathing down your neck yeah. and you're dropping the kind of clangers you're dropping for everything. Then yeah. I don't think you should, you know, you should really be the first choice for for the three lions. Uh, and yeah. in all sincerity, um, Liverpool were, were unlucky. Burnley were were good as well. And 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 in all, and you know, you can't say much about a fixture whereby the two teams are basically um, play to see see out the season. And uh, and for Liverpool, it's about getting a record number of points at the moment. Can, can they still get 100 points? Maybe they have to play Arsenal and Chelsea. Arsenal, if they lose against Liverpool this week, can as well forget it. You know, forget forget making the top four. And, and it's a it's a sorry, it's a, forget it's, making the the Europa League if they lose. Yeah, to Liverpool. yeah. Uh, and it's a good. Sorry, I said top four. I really thought Arsenal were going to make the top four this season. Quite <laughs> disappointing as well. Nah, um, nah. They, they should uh, they should forget about the top eight, and, and I think that game will be important, especially for. For for Liverpool, if they win that game, then that takes them up to ninety six points, and then they are four points away. Yeah, and then yeah. you talk about the importance of the game against Chelsea, who who definitely would have won this game against Norwich City. I think very important for Chelsea going into that Liverpool game because that is a very big game. Is the fact that if Chelsea beat Norwich and then they carry that confidence and they beat Manchester United in the FA Cup semi final, that's difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Yes. <laughs> If you have two big results like that, I think it's important for your players. It's important for the team, and um, pretty much, yeah, I, I really think um, it would be good for them. But for Liverpool, just wind down the season, and you know, at this juncture, I've got to be honest. I think um, 
this is an opportunity for Jurgen Klopp to look at his squad and say, we're going to lose some players at the end of the season. Adam Lallana's gone. Um, Zed and Shakiri will most likely follow him well, through the door. Definitely, uh, definitely. We're looking at um, Dejan Lovren. The club is considering whether to extend his contract by triggering contract. an extension clause in his yeah. contract. Um, even though I don't think he's a fantastic player as, 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 you know, as such, Adrian could yet leave at the end of the season. Um, uh, you've got young players like Takumi Minamino in the team, the likes of of Nabi Keita, who's, who's been out for a long time, uh, long mm-hmm. term, and he's just coming back into the squad. We leave you like a Cosses. new signing. And David's also from the beat, from the from the yeah. youth team. Yeah, yeah, yes, and 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 you also talk about Curtis Jones, likes of Abby Jones, Elliott, yeah, Curtis Jones. Um, I think um, for me, but Liverpool just have to go into the transfer window right now. Um, can they make 100 points? I think they can. To be honest, I think Liverpool can make 100 points. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge possibility. That has to be the motivation. If they're going to destroy football, like Pep Guardiola said, I think that is destroying football, making 100 points. <laughs> if you don't make 100 points, I don't see whether you've destroyed football. Um, okay. Can, because that's okay, the only so, destroyed football. Okay, so let's let's move to the Tottenham, to the Tottenham-Arsenal game. Same. So... Two teams that have really been unimpressive throughout the whole season, all season long. They've been really unimpressive. Jose Mourinho's Tottenham and Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. Um, like he said, scored a screamer in that game, but he makes on, um, uh, capitalized on a huge defensive error from um, David Lewis and um, Kolisinac. And um, all the world got the winner in that game. So just let's talk a bit about the the game. Tottenham took a vital. It's really not even vital three points, but because both of them are lying down at night and ten, so there's really nothing vital about the three points. But they they had the pride in in a, in a, in the North London derby. So let's just talk a bit about the game before we move on. Yeah, um, quite sad given that Arsenal were the better team for long periods in that game. But then, um, to be honest. I think Arsenal fans and, and, and most football fans get, get something wrong from that fixture. David Luiz probably was not as bad as many people made him to be in that fixture. Yes, he, he did have his shortcomings, but the worst Arsenal player playing in the defence that day, the worst Arsenal players in the defence that day were actually Mustafi and Kolasinac. Yeah. Um, especially Kolasinac, who gave away a very silly pass you know, to, to David Luiz. And it was a very silly pass because there was no way anyone was going to get Could, to that ball. And yeah, and the son is very fast. Son yes, is very he fast. Was, he, if you look at the, the way he hit the pass, it was hard, and it was it, it was not. It, it did not have a direction. It, it was not going to, towards Luis. It was going away from Luis, mm-hmm. and that meant Luis had to anticipate and then adjust his body to quickly receive a hard pass of that nature. It was absolutely unforgivable. And Son runs in and, and, and then scores the goal. That goal comes at a time where Arsenal are in the ascendancy. Arsenal yeah. are playing very well. They've just got a fantastic goal from Lacazette. And, yeah. and that goal just takes the sting out of whatever you're trying to do. And, and, and by default, it puts you under pressure. And here is another thing. Mustafi has played every game since, since the lockdown, uh, since his football return. He is bound to get tired. And when you get tired, you will make silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. In the second yeah. half of this game, Skodra Mustafi was tired and exhausted. It was pretty much obvious that he was exhausted. And as he kept on playing, the, 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 longer, he, he, the, the longer the game went, 
the the more exhausted he became, the more uh, uh, you know, uh, the more vulnerable he became. And you look at uh, Lucas Moura, who completed eight tackles more than the entire Arsenal team, Arsenal which team. meant that the players were not getting stocking, and that is on the defenders. And then you also look at the fact that one player, especially Arsenal's right, you know, we have to talk about Arsenal's right and how important it was. Um, you look at Arsenal's left relatively. How Jose Mourinho set up to nullify Arsenal's left, uh, mm-hmm. nullifying Karen Tierney and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, mm-hmm. did not allow the crosses to go in, did not allow Aubameyang time and space on the ball. But you look at Arsenal's right, it was an antithesis of the left. It was just, you know, uh, uh, it was a shadow. It was There was nothing in, happening on the right, on the right side, especially with Nicolas Pepe, who who is the most one-legged midfielder, uh, one-legged <laughs> winger, since Riyad Mahrez. Uh, yeah. And I, I must admit, very disappointed with Pepe's performance because you're coming off the birth of your newborn son and you should be playing better. And he's not playing better. He's not doing very well. He, he does not, he, he does not, you know, give anything in terms of breaking the lines. He's just trying tame shots as goal. He gets to hit two free kicks and and, and, and he's not hit them well. Uh, Nicola, uh, uh, Hector Bellerin, sorry, is not is, is is only done well in the tackle, but not committing too much. So you look at the fact that maybe to an extent some of the Arsenal players were not they did not give their role. They, they they did not play to the to the expectations and to the levels. But you have to give credit to to some players, the, the likes of uh, Dani Ceballos, fantastic player, yeah, yeah. Uh, breaking the lines, his passes was always everywhere, pressing the midfielders. Uh, gave Harry Winks a Tory time. Uh, you look at uh, Granit Jacker as well. Very fantastic player. Did very well with, with his movement going forward. Um, great passes. Dropped into the defence when, when it was necessary. And then, you know, uh, snapped at Giovanni Lo Celso's feet. Did not allow Hume Son, uh, Harry Kane or Hume Ming Son uh, a lot of time on the ball because he was, yeah. he was um, supporting David Luiz. And, and Son had to drift wide at some point so they could see more of the ball. Uh, uh, but you've got to also give credit to Jose Mourinho in the way he set up his team because um, Musa Sissoko uh, playing on the right-hand side was very important alongside Serge Aurier, which meant that uh, Tottenham's right was, was just shutting down attacks. Aurier mm-hmm. was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, condolences, my condolences to his family, was a fantastic player that night for, for Tottenham, that evening, sorry, for Tottenham. He was uh, he was everywhere, snapping into tackles, clearing every ball, uh, you know, getting into fights, getting stocking. Sometimes yeah. in a derby, that's all you need. You just need yeah. to show a bit of art and desire, and yes. that was what Tottenham did. They showed more art. They showed more desire. They oh. did not want. They did not care about the possession. They had just thirty-seven uh, percent of the possession. They did not care. And and when you don't care about possession and all you're doing is just getting stuck and getting the results. <laughs> that's Mario. That's a Mario team. Yes, you, you're gonna get the results. It's it's shameful that Lucas Moura, a left winger who spent a lot of time in the Arsenal area, if you check his heat map, committed more tackles than the entire yeah, than the entire Arsenal team. Yeah, it's a shame. And and I have to be honest, I think um, you look at that in perspective and you say Mikel Ateta has, has, has a lot of work to do for sure but you know I think for me um, yes Ateta has done a good job so far I have to to be honest he's done a good job Arsenal were actually headed nowhere when he took charge there, there was no hope 
um, playing, you know, not playing in, in Europe next season will be a, a blessing in disguise. It, it could be like Liverpool's 2016-2017 season with the right recruitment. Arsenal still needs um, another winger. Uh, Hector Bellerin needs to go back to the drawing board and improve. And um, the less I, I speak about Jose Mourinho and Tottenham, the better because um, I think Jose Mourinho... I'm I'm worried for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Play <laughs> like this, you you cannot keep get you you cannot um you cannot. And one thing, one thing I wanted to discuss about Harry Kane is not scoring under Jose Mourinho. Harry Kane just only has three, I three no two goals from this lockdown. He's not been scoring under Jose Mourinho. Could be could it be a team setup? Could it be Jose Mourinho's team is too rigid and is affecting the creativity of the team? Because um, we all know um, Harry Kane is a, is a, is a guy that ju- he just he just needs the ball, just feed him the ball, and he's going to give you goals. But is it af- is it about the creativity of the team that is that is affecting the performances of um, what's his name? Harry Kane or maybe it's just the Morio setup that is affecting his, his performances uh, to be honest um, I don't think it, narrowing it down to Mourinho's setup is going to be a little bit um, naive and obtuse um, and here's the reason why uh, take for instance the game against Arsenal he had four shots on target if you are not getting chances to score you could you could pin that a little bit on the Arsenal team and say, okay, because it was Arsenal, let's go to the games before that and and look at some of of of, of his numbers from the games prior to to the Arsenal game and see if if really he had those chances. How many shots on target against Bournemouth? None. You go back to the game against Everton. How many shots on target against Everton? None. You, you go to Sheffield United. How many shots on target against Sheffield? One shot on target. What about against West Ham? He has three shots on target. So, so you look at that and you say, over a, a stretch of five games, Harry Kane has only fired eight shots on target. It's it's uh, and from those eight shots on target, how many goals has he scored? Two goals. Just two, two goals. Yes. Um, I, I think, well, Jose Mourinho's setup is contributing to it. Exactly. Because in the big games, Jose sets up to nullify his opponents. Yeah. He's set up to not lose. That's Jose Mourinho. He's set up to not lose. And when you set up to not lose, it means you may not win, but you don't lose. That means a draw is acceptable and, and, and he doesn't care where the goal comes from. If you look at the big game results that Tottenham Hotspur have had this season, you look at the goal scorers and... Um, you look at the unlikeliness of those goal scorers. When when I talk about the big games where Tottenham have had the result, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. It's always been Son. It's always been Son that comes that turns up in um, in Tottenham's attacking line, or maybe yeah. someone from the centre back. But the yes. top guys, um, Hurricane, usually doesn't show up in big games. Yeah, you, you know, you look at the the Manchester City game, Bergwijn and Son. Manchester United game, Bergwijn. Yeah, uh, against Arsenal, Son and and Van Tongen. So, mm. really, it already tells you where Tottenham Hotspur are going. Uh, uh, it's it's quite obvious that maybe and just maybe, Harry Kane will not get thirty goals in a season. Maybe yeah. I'm not saying it's, setting stone, but it's like maybe. his lowest in like three seasons. He's just thirteen goals in the EPL. Very low for yeah. Harry Kane's standard. 
Yes, I, I, I was going there as well because uh, you look at the top scorers chart for the Premier League, and and you're re- that's why I said you will be bothered for Harry Kane, and that's why I said, look, as much as I want to say I don't want to narrow it down to Jose Mourinho alone, I want to say maybe Harry Kane is suffering from some sort of confidence. Tottenham at Spurs also contributed because this is a man who has played through a lot of injuries, a lot of um, he's been rushed back a lot of times. He suffered about three or four major injuries in the past two years and every time he's been rushed back to play for Tottenham because he's the best player in the team he's the goal scorer in the team I think Harry Kane needs to go to a club where the pressure is off his shoulders he's not going to have to carry the team alone as time goes on if you look at Yuming Song as well the advantage that Yuming Song has is the fact that he plays out wide and he can drift into space He's yeah. very good at the counter-attack. But Harry Kane is a guy who likes to be in the attack, not, not play 60 yards from, from his teammates. Paul Merson was probably right that he, did, he didn't see him scoring 20 to 30 goals a season. Harry Kane has got 13 goals this season. So as much as I don't want to see say it's down to Jose Mourinho alone, I want to say maybe Kane is also suffering from, from confidence, confidence. problems. I yeah. also want to say that um, you look at Tottenham Hotspur as a team, the team should have been refreshed after the Champions League final. Get rid of some players. Bring, sorry, uh, bringing a couple of new players. And um, they didn't do that. Um, quite disappointing. But you cannot say just that Jose Mourinho is the one. I've got to be honest. This is not even, it's, it's no shade. You cannot just say Jose Mourinho is the reason. Romelu Lukaku scored 20 goals under Jose Mourinho. Um, uh, and 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 that was you know that that was um, a Manchester United team that that's more inferior to this Tottenham Hotspur team as well. So yeah, yes, you're right. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, I think um, yeah, I I think Tottenham Hotspur really really need to check themselves as well. Um, Jose Mourinho maybe he says that um, change is the only constant thing. Um, he said it as well, quoting Darwin's theory of evolution and says that you always have to change. But I don't think Jose Mourinho has changed. And if Jose Mourinho does not change despite having a team of Tottenham set up, you look at Gennaro Gattuso at Napoli. Gattuso is a defensive manager, but he's gone to yeah, Napoli. Yeah, right. to, he's and they're scoring. And they're scoring goals, exactly. Yeah. But Tottenham are not scoring under Mourinho. They, they, they're defending, he's trying to solidify the defence. But they're still leaking very silly goals. Um, I mean, you want to talk about the goals that, that the, even the goal that was disallowed by VAR against Bournemouth. You look at that goal and you feel like giving Davinson Sanchez a slap, or you look <laughs> at uh, you know, some of the players and you're saying, "Is is this this is schoolboy defending?" And and yet, the fact that Jose Mourinho has a type, he has a profile of play he wants in, in this position, and then he has to implement those players. I I, I really think yes. It's, it's also part of it, but for Harry Kane, particularly talking about Harry Kane as a person, I think it's very. if I'm Harry Kane, I'm going to be seriously worried that I'm not scoring goals and, you know, my teammates are playing farther and farther away from me. Okay, that's fine. So before we leave England, let's just talk about the last uh, big game. Manchester United, surprising, surprising. 2-2 um, draw against them, Southampton, Southampton. Uh, uh, Southampton squad got the first goal via Stuart Armstrong, but two quick fire goals from Marcos Rashford and um, 
Anthony Martial gave Manchester United a bit of hope that they are going to make the top four yesterday. But shocking, shocking defending. And um, in the 96th minute, the last minute of the game, uh, Michael Overfemi scored um, an equaliser for Southampton to break the hearts of the United fan. But I felt United could have done more in that game to 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 um, to secure all three points. Surprisingly, they 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 they, they considered in the last minute of the game. So, um, what, could it be the pressure to to meet up the top four that affected the team yesterday, or it was just um, Southampton had a very good game and um, Manchester United were just uh, could just have to draw the game? What, what was your opinion on that game? Uh, let me start by saying this: Manchester United will not make the top for this season. Yeah, I also, accept, I also, I also, they, I also, I'm also fine to that. <laughs> but they will play in the Champions League next season. Yeah, they will play. In Champions, I need Manchester United to play in the Champions League next season. Um, not for any reason, but for the fact that England has to has to have the best teams in Europe, and currently Manchester United one of those teams. To be honest, um, yesterday I was not surprised at all because this is a team that blows hot and cold and that is just the reality. Even through the 18-match winning streak, Manchester United have blown hot and cold and they are a team that are very good when it comes to momentum in terms of when they get to the crest of the wave, they know how to, to keep riding on the crest of the wave until somebody, you know, punches or, you know, a pin punches the balloon and, and once he does, that is when we see the real Manchester United. Um, this was a team at the start of the season, opening day, beat Chelsea 4-0. Uh, they were vintage, they were classy, they were fantastic. And then they go on in the subsequent weeks, were miss, missing penalties. And then they take on Crystal Palace at Old Trafford. And then they lose 2-1 at home. You, you have that goal from Patrick Van, Van Arnold. And this week, they will play Crystal Palace again on Thursday. And the, reason why talking, <laughs> the reason why I'm talking about that game is because you look at yesterday's game and you look at Thursday's game, there will be a lot of similarities because yeah. of the, two, the style of the teams. Yeah. In all sincerity, respect to Southampton, I was pretty much incensed. I have to be honest, I, I, this is not me bantering Manchester United or anything. Looking at the results of the weekend, I was not saying anything until Manchester United fans began to banter Chelsea fans, banter Leicester fans, and were saying, oh, they, they see the opening and they're going to go third. <laughs> this was a team that at the start of the season actually could have been first or second. Yeah. And, and were looking very good for long periods. And, and then Pogba got injured and everything just went south. And, and, and they lost penalties, lost penalties, kept on losing penalties. Uh, you know, there was a time Pogba missed, I think, two or three penalties. And uh, there was also Rashford missing penalties as well. <sighs> Come on. This is a team <laughs> of ambition. And you look at that game against South- Southampton yesterday, it epitomised Manchester United's season, season in one yeah. game. Start very well. Concede a very avoidable goal. Then find inspiration from somewhere. Yesterday was from Martial and Rashford, 2-1 up, and then 60 minutes in third position. And somewhat, somehow, you see a player of Ari Maguire's calibre, 800 million, 80 million pounds. 80 million pounds. 80 million pounds. Calamitious defending. 80 million British pounds 
holding on to a player who's worth 50 million pounds as well, Aaron Wan Bissaka. That is 130 million pounds holding on to each other at a set piece. And you expect me to point fingers at Victor Lindelof simply because he was there and Obafemi got ahead of him, ahead of the ball to slide the ball into the back of the net. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call out everybody in the defence, not even just Lindelof. David De Gea, you're coming out for that kind of ball. You yeah, know the you're way, right. You, you know the way James Ward-Prowse plays his corners. You know the way the Southampton players, Nathan Redmond, every Southampton player who plays a set piece, all of them have one style. And that style is just in-swinger. to swing it in. Swing in-swinger. it in. And, and when they play an in-swinger, even when Ward-Prowse plays a, a, a corner on the left-hand side with his, with his right foot, it's the same style. It's an in-swinger. And, and yet, you see that ball, you see the trajectory of the ball coming, you're not and coming still, for an exactly, high play. Exactly. And you're standing rooted, and then your captain, oh my goodness, he's there, holding onto his right back, when they should be marking the players. <laughs> and you've got the likes of Jan Bednarek, Jack Stevens. You've got big players there in that in, in the box at that particular point in time. And Michael Obafemi, who's not the tallest of players, who's who's almost about the same same height as, as probably just slightly taller than than, than Pius Ikedia or probably about the same height as as maybe Jorginho. So thanks so much for the um, for the perspective on um, on the Manchester United uh, Manchester United game for yesterday. So um, the uh, the table as the table goes, um, Liverpool still remains first on the table. Manchester United uh, Manchester City seventy two points. Um, Liverpool is leading with ninety three points. Manchester City second with seventy two. Chelsea third with sixty. Leicester uh, by the trail of Chelsea, 59 points. Uh, Manchester United, 5th, 59. Wolverhampton, 6th, 55 points. Sheffield, 54 points, 7th. Tottenham, 8th, 52. Arsenal, 50 9th. Um, and uh, Burnley, they are 10th with 50 points. So that's uh, really all about the top 10 in the in the in the EPL. So let's quickly um, talk on the games in the Spanish La Liga. A very tight battle ongoing between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Well, Barca took a one, a very slim one-zero victory over the weekend against uh, Valladolid. But truth be told, very unimpressive, very unimpressive game from Barcelona. Arturo Vidal scoring the only goal of the game, and Mark Mark Andres Tarstagen had a very very busy goal, be, uh, very busy day between the sticks for Barcelona. But uh, we were so lucky because uh, I'm a Barca fan. We took away all three points. So can you just talk a bit about the game? How unimpressive, and again, how unimpressive Kiki Setting's team has been on like Barca. Like we expected more from Kiki setting, he should we expected him to come in and um, we should bring in this Cryofian style of football, the tiki taka, high pressing football. But we've not seen any of such under Kiki setting since we came in, and um, it's still the same similar style as um, Valverde that uh, that left. So um, can you just talk a bit about the Barcelona game and um, our style under Kiki setting? You are only as good as the players you have as a manager. A farm is only as good as his tools. And um, when you have a team of of um, of thirty something year olds, I don't know what you're expecting from Kike Setien. Yes, he has his shortcomings as a manager. He has his shortcomings as a person. But I mean, come on, let's give this guy let, let's let's give him a break. We're talking about a coach who's coming to a team that was top of the table in January, 
and everything was going well and the club just decided one one morning to sack the manager who gave them the first position and um it was supposed to come in and turn barcelona to a, a sexy football playing team overnight it, it's not going to happen like that that that's not the way football works and and i'm not surprised that barcelona are not really doing so well yes they're playing a lot of possession play based football but they're playing football without penetration it just reminds me of the Louis van Gaal of Manchester United and um, it's just a bad marriage that I think you know could go right if, if, if Setien finds the right formula Barcelona have shown themselves that they could be very good the game against Villarreal was a good example yeah. um, we had the unfortunate situation that happened with Griezmann in this game where he got injured and had to go off but you know uh, that is also another problem of football club Barcelona, the fact that there's a Griezmann conundrum and all of that. I think, you know, to be honest, uh, uh, football club Barcelona really is it's more than just what's going on in the field of play. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's take it away from what's going on in the field of play. Something is wrong at the club and it's, it's, it's a problem that's emanated all the way down to the players and you can feel it on the field of play. The only person that is not feeling it is because he's not human, is Lionel Messi. <laughs> and that's the reason why Barcelona are still doing what they're doing. Apart yeah. from that, I mean, you just forget about it. All the players are feeling it. You have a team that's aging and legs. The ideas are beginning to, you know, get thinner and thinner. Some of the times that Barcelona play well, you see that it's the youngsters that are putting all the energy. Yeah. Uh, when Frankie de Jong, Ricky Puig, and, and he's not doing very well. And, 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 and the truth is, whether we like it or not, Nelson Semedo, some players have been very good under on the Kike Setien. They've improved. They've become better players. Nelson yeah. Semedo is a good example. Yeah. Uh, become better. Sergio Roberto is now playing in the central midfield and, yeah. and he's better in that position than as a right back. Mark Andre Testergen is Mark Andre Testergen. But, you know, to be honest, um, uh, there's, there's been slight improvements of the likes of Clement Longley. But we also seem to forget that the players are not who they were. They shadowed them for themselves. And, and and what Ernesto Valverde was doing was absolutely unbelievable. It was coaxing the best out of a team that was finished. And it was only a matter of time before they ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah. The, PK is 33, uh, Alba is 32. Um, Messi, 33, Vidal, 33, and the likes. All these players uh, uh, on the wrong side. Sergio Busquets, on the wrong side of 30. And these players, the players are in the Barcelona starting lineup. And... You also have a player who's not played in a similar style, who's he's come and there's just a huge chasm between what he was playing before, where he plays as a as a as, as a fantasista or a, you know as a second striker, and then he comes all of a sudden and then he's at the team where he has to play on the left, which is also not his favorite position. He does not make the right runs and all of that. I have to be honest, he, unless uh, unless we want to deceive ourselves, it's not just the, the, the players. Something is wrong with the club. And I think the club need to take responsibility. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, yesterday Madrid, they kept their chase um, towards the title on, and um, they took a very, very, very good one, important, all important one victory away to Almeria. Uh, Mendy scored his first goal of the club uh, for the club, and um, Benzema continued his good run of form of late. He added um, the second, even though there was a late scare from. Uh, from from Granada, uh, Madrid took all vital three points and uh, they're leading. And the good part I'm liking um, about Madrid is um, 
a lot of people are not talking about um, Zinedine Zidane. He's not a very loud coach. He's not a coach um, people just talk about like he's tactical. He's, but the, the good part of um, Zinedine Zidane is, is getting the job done. It's, he's um, st- uh, pushing his players and um, his players have... Uh, we've seen a lot of improvements. Um, a lot of players improve on them. Mendy, Mendy, even though he was a good signing from... He was um, good from his days at, in the French League. He has really improved on that Zinedine Zidane. Sergio Ramos... Is, is now a striker, he's a defender, he's everything. And a lot of guys have improved on that. Vinicius Jr., we've seen improvement. Benzema is now back to goal scoring from under Zinedine Zidane. So just talk a bit about the um, Real Madrid team and, and um, their chances um, their chances of winning the La Liga. They just have one more game. Once they win the next game, they are their champions of Spain. Yes, um, so, sorry to say, but this is unpopular opinion, absolutely unpopular. The best player in La Liga this season by a country mile, Yes, by a country mile, is Karim Benzema. And yes, I know everyone's going to come and say Lionel Messi, but Lionel Messi is not a human being, so forget about that. <laughs> Take him out of the equation. And that's why I said the best player in the league this season by a country mile is Karim Benzema. Benzema has been so important for Real Madrid this season that he's basically done the job that Messi was doing for Barcelona when Neymar left. And, yeah. and, and, and let me be honest with you, this is, this is just the truth. Real Madrid suffered a similar Barcelona suffering what Real Madrid suffered. And and, and it's just a clear indication where you have a manager who knows how to get the results and you've got that manager in your team and you feel that the manager is not good enough or you're not willing to accede to his his demands. The manager goes away and then you bring another person in. You realise that it's not the same thing when, when you don't have someone who knows how to get the best out of the players. And that's just the reality. Uh, Real Madrid Football Club, they, they had Zinedine Zidane after he won the, the, the three-peat, the tripletta with them. And then he went away because they, 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 they could not hold on to Ronaldo. And he spotted a sinking ship and he said, look, I'm not going to stay here. And they went and brought in Julian Lopetegui, who was fired after just about three months. And then they went and brought in Santi Solari and they had to go back to Zinedine Zidane as well. And that is the same mistake Barcelona have made. And, and, and the truth is, now you see Zidane, Ian and Estovel Verde are two managers that are very underrated and underappreciated. A lot of people call Zidane's first achievement in Real Madrid, they say it's because Fluke. he's got quality players. <laughs> now, he's not had quality players. He's playing, he's basically rebuilding this side, rebuilding their confidence, a side that has been battered by Barcelona in the league for two seasons straight, a side who could not look Barcelona in the face for two seasons straight in La Liga. He's definitely coming to the squad that conveniently was the third best squad in La Liga this season and he's made them champions. You have to respect that. You have to you have to give the, that team credit. That he knows they're not going to score a lot of goals because it's going to be hard to replace the goals of Cristiano Ronaldo. And what he's done is he's just shut up the defense. He's gone and Bovell and Monti from Lyon. Fantastic left back. He's, he's not afraid to make the big calls. Drop Marcello when it is necessary. Yeah. Militao, he says, yes, I know you're a good and promising centre-back, but you're not going to always play. Uh, Sergio Ramos has not got a red card this season, which is very stunning in La Liga, if you know what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, yeah. I mean, that Ramos has gone an entire season and he's not gotten sent off. This is a man who's got 20, uh, 21 yellow cards in La Liga in his career. And, 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 and you look at that, Ramos has not got sent off this season. It tells you something, that a message has been translated to these players and they're getting it right. As much as 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 as, as Benzema is doing his job on the field, Zidane is doing his work on the field, and, and yes, he, he made a statement 
that 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 I read that 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 uh, I saw some couple of days ago, where he said, "Look, whenever we pull on the Real Madrid jersey, especially when it is laced with gold, it makes you think of glory, and that is what we want to bring to this club, and that is the mentality we are talking about. You might not have the best players, you might not have the greatest players, but it's what you make them believe that they are. That 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 is what helps you, and that's what Zidane has done with Real Madrid. They, 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 yesterday they had to close out the game because Granada were were pushing and pushing in the in you know in the dying embers of the game they had to resort to dirty tactics he had to step on toes Zidane did not bring in a couple of players if as a manager once you come into a club and you know what you want and you're sticking by your guns regardless of what happens then I think you're going to get it right and that's what Zidane has done he's not yeah. been afraid to step on the toes of Gareth Bale or or, or, or Marcello or yeah. James Rodriguez or Isco Alasson who are his favorite players you know he's, he's done the job and I really say that it's a good one for Real Madrid Vinicius Junior has, has improved drastically over the season we saw Mariano Diaz who did not play any single game first touch in La Liga this season was a goal against Barcelona Barcelona yeah moment as well and, and and you look at the fact that Dani Carvajal whenever Nacho is coming and all that and and Nacho's injured, the likes of Brian Diaz coming on to play football, the likes of, uh, of Fede Valverde becoming a very vital cock in the team, yeah. that red card in the, in the Supercopa, that was a sign. Those, the signs were there that Zidane was doing something with this squad, but we yes. just decided to, to, to turn a blind eye to it, and now everybody's sitting up and, and, and taking note. Yeah, that's 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 great. So um, uh, at the at the moment, it's it's uh, Madrid topping, it's Madrid topping the, uh, the, the the table. It's a three points, just a victory. They would um, once did their next game, once they win, they they their champions. Uh, Barca four points behind, seventy nine at second. Atletico thirty six. 66 points they are third same with Sevilla 66 points but the only reason why Atletico is ahead is um, due to the head-to-head um, rule in Spain um, Villarreal at 5th 57 Getafe 6th 54 Shushidad 7 54 points Atletic Bilbao 51 points at 8 Valencia 50 and Granada 50 points at um, 10 so that's a roundup on um, the the Spanish La Liga and um, a, a, a lot didn't go on in the in the Serie A um, in Milan yesterday, they they had a 3-1 victory against um, Torino. Impressive, impressive um, game from Alexis Sanchez. Even he wasn't he wasn't part of the um, goal scorers. He had two assists. Very impressive um, assist uh, for Godin's goal and um, Lautaro Martinez finally scores his uh, his 13th his uh, 14th goal of the season. He's not been so good for uh for uh, uh inter milan since the lockdown break but good one for him that is back among the goal scoring charts and uh, inter climbs inter climbs to second on the table which is a very good one for uh for 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 contesting uh juve juve also juve this juve this uh, this weekend they they also had a a very very important important victory against uh, trying to confirm okay sorry let's go to the game napoli i just want you to talk about the game napoli versus milan before we go to the juve to the juve game napoli milan 2-2 pioli's team seems to be a team that has been on the uprising for a while now and um also uh what's his name gatoso's team also has been seen has been among um, they've been they've been getting the goals and um, they've been getting results so Hernandez started with um the first goal uh, while there was an equalizer from De Lorenzo, Casey, uh, Jerry Martins gave 
Napoli, the 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 lead, while KC scored a very late um, a 73rd penalty minute penalty for an equalizer. The game ended 2-2. So let's just talk about both both teams and um, their chances. Yeah, well, they don't even have a chance to to uh, add the add the trophy, but they are all fighting for the top top six, top seven position. Their chances of going to Europa. So let's talk about Gattuso and um, Pioli still in just a minute. Yeah. Um, just like I said much earlier, Gattuso is common and helped Milan, um, Napoli, sorry, um, solidify the, the, the defense. He did it with Milan as well when he was there. And I think it was a very big mistake that Milan made in, in sacking him when, when they did and, and going for Marco Giampaolo. They said they were not playing sexy football. I think if <laughs> Gattuso had stayed in Milan this season, they probably would have qualified for the Champions League. Um, Gattuso is a manager who knows his onions. Let, let, let me be honest, I, I can't take that away from him. He knows his onions. He's a fantastic manager. He's um, um, he, he showed that when when they won the Coppa Italia, he knows how to grind out the results. And 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 the truth is, um, uh, it's 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 a good combination. You, you have a manager who's fiery and and he's very, you know, he's, he's, he's animated on the touchline. He's um, he's dramatic. He's a bit like Diego Simeone. Yeah, um, in exactly. Terms of, in That's terms it. of coaching. Yeah, and, exactly. And to look at Napoli as well, the city, bustling city, a rebellious city, a city that's that's you know that's 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 not you know that's that there's away from the norm. They're not, they're not like every other team in the Serie A, and 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 that's just a, a good combination for, in my opinion. And uh, you look at the fact that Napoli were coming off; they had already had the attacking foundation set by Maurizio Sarri, and and then uh, Carlo Ancelotti just came. And, and built on that foundation and they, they were conceding a lot of goals and Gattuso came and what did he do? He solidified the defence, um, made sure that they, they, they stopped conceding silly goals. We saw that in the, in the Coppa Italia especially exactly. uh, on, on the route to the final where they kept about five clean sheets. That is absolutely you know immense when, when you look at Napoli. They're very good going forward but they, they, they're very prone to that that defensive uh, defensive collapse, despite having Kalidou uh, uh, Koulibaly at the back, and, yeah. and that was one of the you know right things that Ancelotti saw. He brought in Costas Malolas to try and beef up the defense, but they were still making those yeah. mistakes. And what, what what did Gattuso do when he came? He spotted that it was not the centre backs, but it was the full backs because when they go they went forward, they were leaving a lot of space in behind. Yeah. So what has he done? He's brought in. He's, he's, he's decided Diego Dema, who's coming from Leipzig, who plays. The, the, the defensive midfielder was you know, as the number six and he's, yeah. he's brought him into the team and he's got Mario Rui on the right uh, he's as well. been I wanted to mention him he's been very very impressive under um, under uh, Gattuso it's it's usually Gulam that plays as uh, as their left back but watching McCreary McCreary has been very very solid defensively and also going forward this season and it shows there's he's under a, a manager that is enjoying him so so much. Yes, is when you have a manager who's who's a, a connoisseur when it comes to defending. That's what happens, and and you know I have to be honest, I never really liked Mario Rui's style. Same. I, I, I I'd never really been a huge fan of of, of Mario Rui. I'd always looked at him as an average, a bank average defender. In fact, below average if possible. But you know, he's he's done well to convince me since uh, since uh, since, uh, since 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 Gattuso came and. And another player that we, we we we've not talked about enough is Giovanni Di Lorenzo, who's who scored the first goal in that game. He's been very impressive, especially under 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 Gattuso. Gattuso, yeah. Player, you know, especially when going forward with the ball and all that. And, and you imagine the fact that this was a guy who 
who just came from Empoli uh, over the summer. He, he was not. He was not really. Uh, uh, he was not really trusted by 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 uh, by, by Ancelotti. Ancelotti was not really convinced. He was. He was. He was playing him, but the, the performances were not so good. And then this guy comes, Gattuso, and he's just set off like a house on fire. He's been playing and he's been a terror, a real dangerous player, you know, on the right. And just like I said, with Mario Rui, he's looked at the two full-backs, he's, he's done a great job on them. And then you go into the midfield as well, and you see the discipline that is in the midfield. And I mean, with the likes of, I mean, Hughes, the likes of Elmas, uh, the likes of uh, Fabian Ruiz and, and Piotr Zielinski, they, they've been a very coordinated team when going forward. And it's not taking the shine of what happens up front between Mertens, Milik, Insignia, uh, and, and, yeah. and, you know, when, when they brought on Politano as well this season. And, and, and uh, you know, under him as well, Ivan Lothano, when he comes on, he's been a great player, as well as Adam Munas. So, yeah, uh, you've got to give credit to Gattuso in that game as well. I, I was never in doubt that Napoli were not going to lose um, at some point. Milan, great team since Ibrahimovic came over. Uh, that's what impact you talk about when you talk about a player impacting a team. That's what Ibrahimovic has done at Milan. I'm not taking the credit from Stefano Pioli, but I think Ibrahimovic himself alone, the players realizing that they trained with a guy who, who has, you know, the ego of, of the world. And, and, and this guy comes every day and he tells them different things. He might not have won the Champions League, he might not have won the Ballon d'Or, but Ibrahimovic is one of the best players to ever play with currently. He's got over 500 goals, one of three players active to have that record. You cannot have that kind of guy in your dressing room and not want to score. And that's what Milan have done when since Ibrahimovic came. They scored a lot of goals before uh, Ibrahimovic. They were not scoring, even under Pioli. They were just defending and yeah. holding on to draws, holding on to results. And now they're scoring goals. You see them score two, score four goals before. It was just one goal, the old goal and, and all that. And they scored 45 goals in the Serie A this season, which is which is not good for a team of Milan's caliber. Over 32 games, that's just about 1.3 or 1.2 goals per game, which is a bad average. And I think next season, Ibrahimovic might not stay, but the likes of Rafael Liao would have learned a lot of lessons. And Frank Kessio hopefully becomes a better player uh, when I, he, he gets to play on the Ralph Franny. Okay, okay, that's fine. So before we leave, um, before we leave, it, it will not do justice if we don't talk about Gasparini. Gasparini is Atalanta. These guys... I really don't know how they came back into the game. They got two, two penalties. Some some people said it was questioning, but fine. But uh, Gasparini's Atalanta has been very, very impressive this season. They scored 87 goals, the highest in Italian area. They scored goals more than Barca, Madrid. It's only Man City that has more goals than uh, Man City and Bayern Munich that has more goals than Gasparini's Atalanta this season. Juve struggled. I'm depending on one thing that's going to happen in the next two games. I, 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 a lot of people will say it's not possible, but... I'm, I'm really hoping, and that's that Sassuolo beat Juventus and Lazio beat Juventus as well. Lazio beating Juventus twice this season, and yeah. I think they can do it one more time uh, against Juventus. And you, you look at Sassuolo against Juventus as well, and you probably will say, oh, they cannot beat Juve because it's Juventus. But 
already we have a track record this season where they played out a 2-2 draw in Turin and 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 you look at the the the, the Sassuolo team and and the coach who's in the dugout and 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 the, the kind of football they're playing right now in terms of Roberto De Gerbi you saw them against Inter Milan you saw them against against Lazio against uh, Napoli you've seen the way they played this season and I really, really want to hope that the reason why I'm hoping for these things is simply because I want Atalanta to actually have a genuine shot at winning the Serie A title. They're the best team in the Serie A over the yeah. past two seasons by a country mile. And when yeah. I say by a country mile, I mean every bit of it. They're light years ahead of, of, of in terms of, of, of playing style. And you have to give credit to Giampiero Gasparini, who's looked at players who, who have been, you know, haves and haves not, some players who... who people have given up on and he's gone there and he's looked at those players and he's coked, he's coked out a fantastic team. It would be very naive of anyone to still keep looking at, 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 at his time at Inter and using it to judge him. I mean, we're talking about Papu Gomez who's old already. This man is, is in his yeah. 30s and he's playing like he's 21. Duvan Zapata, uh, you know, is this guy has been a beast since he came to, to the club from Sampdoria, Jossi Illich. Who's, who's in his 30s as well. This, this, was, this guy was, was not pulling up trees at Fiorentina. Uh, Timothy Castagna, a, a favourite of mine. And Zatebo, another favourite of mine. Uh, Martin Darun was, was a disaster with Middlesbrough in the Premier League. Yeah. Fruella was, was just there. He was, was not a phenomenal player. And then, don't, don't let me even get started on Rafael Toloi, who was a, an 20 Brazilian international. And, he was just there. It was not. It was not. Nobody was looking at his, at, 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 you know, at, at him. And, and and this guy, he's brought this team together, and they've really done a fantastic job scoring a lot of goals. When they're in your face, they're in your face. You look at the likes of um, Roslan Malinovsky, who's come on and is is made uh, a gem out of Mario Pasalic as well, uh, as as well as Luis Muriel, who was Udinese and at Sampdoria. And you also talk about Mattia Caldara. Who was at Juventus uh, before? So yeah, uh, to be honest, I really love this Atalanta team, and I, I, as much as I think the, the Champions League journey has come to an end because they will play PSG, and I don't see PSG losing that game for any you reason. Can't say, you can't say much about that. You can't really. Yeah, it's, it's so, so, so so you look at that, but I think for for Atalanta, I really want them, and I think those two games for Juventus. If Juventus drop points against Sassuolo and Lazio, if there's any team you can bank on to to, to actually pounce on it, because. I'm really livid at the fact that sorry, I'm livid at the fact that it, it's it's via it's it's refereeing decisions, very 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 avoidable decisions, annoying decisions that have really gone them where they are, where they're having to 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 draw against Juventus a game they would have won comfortably, and the yeah. referee not helped the old lady. So I really hope that for their own sakes, it's just eight points. Anything can happen. And yeah, I, I believe them strongly that, that that they they could give Juventus a run for the money if Juventus drop points in the in the next three games. Okay, okay, so that's fine. So a roundup on um, the Italian Serie A: leading seventy-six points, Inter second sixty-eight, Lazio thirty-eight points, Atalanta sixty-seven with fourth, Roma fifth with fifty-four points, Napoli six fifty-two points, Milan seven fifty points, Sassuolo eight forty-six points, Verona. 44 points and Boyogna 42 points at 10th position. So um, that's really all about the major leagues that um, the games that happened during the week. So let's just talk a bit about the transfer news. Thiago has been in the news 
going to um, going to Liverpool, Kayavet also in the news going to Chelsea, and Koulibaly going to Man City. So let's just talk about those three players in a bit, and we'll move to Nigerian news. Um, yeah, just like you said, I think um, uh, Thiago Alcantara to Liverpool could be a good good deal for it could be a good deal. It could it could be a good deal because because Liverpool need uh, need uh, need quality. But the the question is, will Thiago Alcantara be able to cope in the Gegen pressing system? We see what is happening with Naby Keita and the consistent injuries. Are Liverpool willing to to spend money on another player that will be having a lot of persistent injuries? I, I don't think so. So so that is definitely a huge cause for concern. And 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 I have to be honest with you. Maybe and, and and just maybe they they have to look into that and, and 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 say maybe he's not the right guy for us and 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 then you also look at uh, you, you look away from that and and, and you're talking about uh, Kalidou Koulibaly if he goes to Manchester City just forget about it don't watch the Premier League next season <laughs> Manchester City are gonna are gonna destroy football that's just no. that's, that's, that's that's just a, a guarantee and then you talk about Kai Havertz as well. Uh, great player, fantastic player. That, that that I think you know. As much as you look at Chelsea, I think Chelsea need to 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 move away from strengthening the attack now and, and strengthening the defense because they, they they already have two players who who I think would would give them a huge uh, huge huge improve uh, uh, you know in terms of huge confidence and and improve the attack line. Uh, they, they're creating a lot of chances. But they're not putting them away, and then they need to sort of sort the defense. Maybe get one centre back. They, they probably need Kalidou Koulibaly more than Manchester City, uh, you know, uh, because you, you look at the fact that the players they've got Zuma, Tomori, Christensen, none of them is an assured centre back, and and they need a, a, an assured centre back, somebody who can command the teammates, somebody who who inspires confidence in the goalkeeper, someone who actually ultimately you know elevates the level of of of, of the entire team, and I think. That's that's some that's something that Kalidou Koulibaly can bring to the team. I don't think that someone of the of the mold of 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 uh, of 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 of, of uh, maybe someone of of, of Tomori can do. Kayavet is is a good option, but I, I don't. It's not it's not what they need at the moment. To be honest, they are missing Mount. Yes. Maybe maybe when 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 William does leave, maybe because. Uh, they, we're talking about the possibility of William leaving, but maybe when William does leave, it could be an option for them. But to be honest, I really think that 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 it's 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 all a matter of time. And and and, and for me, maybe Kayavets now, if they buy him, how many players would they be able to go out and buy again? Okay, okay, so that's fine. So let's go to the uh, to the news on the home front, my guy news. Um, let's start with we're just talking about those two players, but let's start with Maduka Okoye. Maduka Okoye got his um, transfer to Sparta Rotterdam yesterday after being um, they, he was signed on the free transfer, but he was actually released by his, um, his club in Germany, Fortuna Desudov. So uh, Sparta Rotterdam got him on a free transfer, but he has to he has to go in competition with with a newly um, signed goalkeeper from Ajax, but that was on loan at the second division next season. Uh, Rotterdam's first choice goalkeeper is um uh, his contract has not been renewed while their second choice goalkeeper is injured till next year. So what are Okoye's chances? Um, maybe naming a first team um jersey with uh, naming a first team spot. Sorry, with with Sparta Rotterdam. I'm not going to talk too much about it because um my my I've already made my my position on that particular move known. Is is important that he 
he gets game time. It's important that 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 because we're talking about the Super Eagles goalkeeper. What 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 happens? He's he's probably the one that's got the best training of 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 the current crop of goalkeepers we have when it comes to football education. And and the reality is, if that we're going to see that education very well, then he has to play football. He has to play consistently, and that's not what he's doing at the moment. But I believe the move to Sparta Rotterdam, maybe yes, it's an opportunity for him to get the game time. Um, just like um, uh, Solestrugu has always said that he's, he's, he's yet to see if you know is is yet to see what Okoye really will bring to the Super Eagles uh, because it's a left field choice. And and the reality is that yes, it's, it's a left field choice to be honest, but but I think there's hope for this guy, um, hope for this guy because uh, the Dutch league is a league whereby you look at the likes of Andre Onana, you you are developing away from the eyes of everybody, and 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 in the first division you're playing top top quality football for for a club like Sparta Rotterdam that has been home to Sani Keita and Dele Adeleye who who actually did do well at those at, at that club so. So yes, I think you know, I really see him doing well. I have to be honest. I, I really think I, he will do well there, and he will develop. Sparta Rotterdam did not have the best of seasons in the Eredivisie, but but I, I really strongly hope for for his own sake that that next season he gets to play a lot of games because the Super Eagles right now need a goalkeeper, a fixed number one. We don't we don't have to be to be beaten about the push and play result today. I play you tomorrow. Zen while the day after the next, and then we are hoping that one day Okoye is going to grow up. Donnarumma made his debut for AC Milan at the age of 17, and mm-hmm. look at him now. You know, he's, he's already a phenomenal goalkeeper. I think Okoye could be that guy for, for Nigeria. You know, over the over a long period of time, Vincent Enyema made his debut for, for the Super Eagles at, at, at a young age as well. It's it, there's it's no it's, it's not beyond him to to become the first choice goalkeeper of the Super Eagles, and and that will only be something that he gets if he plays consistently and he consi- he, sh- he shows improvement over time. Okay, okay, and lastly, um, let's talk about Victor Osimhen. He, he he made a very funny tweet yesterday. He, he, he tweeted ten days. And um, then this uh, ultimatum, and he laughed about it. And I'm sure he's he's trying to dive either at um, Napoli or airports, or that is so about Napoli giving him a ten days ultimatum to take a decision. But are you in favor of that deal, or do you feel Osimhen should just wait an extra season before he moves to Napoli? What um, are your opinions on the deal? Uh, don't move to Napoli at all. That's just the reality. I don't think he should move to Napoli. His move to Napoli is holding up. Um, his, his move to Napoli is, also, is part of what is holding up uh, uh, Arkadios Milik's uh, exit to Juventus as well. Um, yeah. So pretty much you understand if, if, if it's Napoli that's given the 10-day ultimatum, if I were a seaman, I'd say, no, don't go to Napoli. In fact, for me, I think he should go to, to RB Leipzig where he's going to show them that he's a better version of Timo Werner. I'm very sure it will be a hit in Germany. I'm very confident about that, that he will be a hit in Germany. And by the time he leaves Leipzig, it's probably to a club like Real Madrid or Barcelona. Or Bayern Munich, likely. Yeah, maybe Bayern Munich to even replace Lewandowski. That's yeah. true. And, and and the reality is, by that time, he's a fantastic player. He's, he's probably 24 or 25. But let me be honest with you, if he goes to Napoli now, and he, he probably, yes, he gets scoring. The truth is, he will not score the, the, the huge number of goals he will score in Germany or in France in Napoli. 
because yeah, there's right. Mertens there. There's, yeah. there's Mertens, there's Politano, there's Insignia, there's, there's Calion, players who are goal scorers in their own right. But if you go to, to, to a club like Leipzig, I mean, you get to play with Urari Polsin, who is going to be willing to give you all the balls, knock down second balls for you in terms yeah. of link-up play. And then you also get to work on the Julian Nagelsmann, the best coach, uh, young coach currently in the game. You also will be getting service from the likes of Emil Forsberg and the likes of Christophe Nkunku and, yeah. and Marcel Sakiza. Oh, yeah. You, you, you can see the players you will get to play with and, and you will test yourself week in, week out. You, you will be playing against uh, uh, great defenders. You, you play against the likes of Niklas Sula, the likes of Mats Hummels, the likes of Zagadou, uh, the likes of Manuel Akanji, uh, the likes of David Alaba as well. Uh, you also look at, uh, you know, uh, Roussillon, the likes of Salif Sané. You're playing good players as well. And, and in your team, you have Dario Pamecano and Nodi Mukiele and, and, and the likes. And, and you're talking about great players here. Yeah. So I don't I really understand if I really understand if he does not want to go to Napoli. But I think if his agent, if Napoli really do want to move him on, because it seems Lille desperately needs the money, then he, a move to Leipzig, 60 million euros. They, Leipzig can afford 60 million euros. They might not be able yeah. to afford 80 million. But they might be able to afford 60 million because they have Timo Werner money. But they've gone on as well and brought uh, uh, Wang from Wanky Chan from RB Salzburg as well. So, yeah. so make that may not happen again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, um, that's a very impressive um, view on um, the OCMA story. Truth be told, for me, I actually feel the, the move to Napoli wouldn't be bad. But looking at the angle you brought it from, it's actually even advice. If, stays, if, he's, he's, if he's not moving to Leipzig or any better team, we also heard of the link of maybe Arsenal, if uh, Aboumeyang doesn't replace no, his contract. No. Exactly, no, but no Arsenal, exactly. So so that's just, so let's call it a roundup on the show. Thank you so much, Tosi Holmes, for coming up and for um, bringing your views of football into, into, into this podcast. Yeah, podcast. Thank you so 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 much yeah. um, and um okay great you want to say something yeah, not a problem i said not a uh, problem okay okay that's good and would would also i would love to also have you maybe at a later time come up again and we'll discuss about this it's it's really been uh interesting speaking with you and um hearing your views so that's it guys uh this that's the end of episode three it's quite a long one but i'm sure you'll be from the views of tosi home do you want to keep on listening to this it's a very it was a very interesting episode and uh, so um, this will be available on different um, streaming platforms apple apple podcast uh, 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 on uh, Google Podcasts, you see it on on, on different podcast channels. So you, when you see this, kindly like, kindly subscribe, and um, kindly share your views on the on the on the episode. So that'll be that'll be it, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you once more to see almost for coming up. Yeah, thank um, you very much for having me. Okay, okay, okay. So that'll be that'll be it, guys. So thank you so much. Uh, bye.